0: want to take the skills that I've learned and do good in the world, and in particular, help those who didn't have access to education and opportunities in the way that I did.
1: This is Maya Karengel. For over two decades, she's been pioneering the world of impact investing. She is the co-managing partner at the Rise Fund, TPG's global impact investing platform founded by TPG in partnership with Jeff Skoll and Bono. Maya helps manage nearly $6 billion with the mission of investing behind growing businesses that are working to achieve measurable positive social environmental outcomes alongside competitive financial returns. Among her many other titles and accolades, Maya also serves on the board of directors for Benevity, and we feel awfully lucky to have her. It may seem a little cheeky for us to have one of our board members on our own podcast, but there's no denying her expertise in this area. Maya has a unique perspective. But the life lessons that led her here started in a faraway place, a place that's very different than a lot of people in her current position.
0: I grew up in Asia as a child. My mother's family is from the Philippines, and I would visit the Philippines every, every summer. I grew up primarily in Singapore, which is one of the more, um, especially back in the 70s, developed uh, countries within Asia. and. You know, I grew up, uh, funny enough, in a hotel. My parents were in the hotel business and I lived in a beautifully air conditioned, um, you know, very pristine environment. But I would go back to my um, grandparents' home uh, every holiday, practically, when I was growing up. And in the Philippines, on the road from the airport, you know, back to my grandparents' house, um, you couldn't um not notice poverty all around you. Um, there were children who were about my age, um, uh who were barefoot and begging, who would come up to the car windows and ask for ask for food or handouts. And um, right next to the nice uh compound that my parent my grandparents lived in. Um, was a slum where people didn't have cement floors, where the houses were put together with throwaway material. You know, the roofs were, were at best made of tin, often made out of cardboard. And I would go to sleep at night and um, realize how lucky I was that just by accident of birth, I was able to grow up in a family um, that could give me an education, that could give me a safe environment where there was food on the table every day, but just over the wall from my grandparents' house in the Philippines and on the streets were kids who really had nothing.
1: Growing up in this environment taught Maya some valuable lessons about privilege and access. Years later, it would also guide the trajectory of her career. After starting out on Wall Street in private equity, Maya turned her attention to the world of impact investing. Over the past 20 years, she has seen the conversation about ESG, environment, social, and governance, and corporate purpose evolve a lot. Today on Speaking of Purpose, Maya Korengel lets us peek into the conversation that's happening on these topics in the boardroom. I'm your host, Sona Kosla, and I'm Benevity's Chief Impact Officer. Let's dive in. As social impact becomes a more prominent conversation among corporate leaders across the globe, ESG strategies are weaving their way into the fabric of how businesses operate. ESG has been a long siloed branch, as most companies recognized the need to report on what they were doing to make the world a better place, especially as it related to the E, the environment. But since the beginning of the COVID-19 pandemic, the inequalities in the world, and the role that companies play in helping address them, have come into even sharper focus. Experts began calling 2020 the year of S. In other words, the year of companies focusing on social good. But movements like this aren't easily confined to a calendar year. And as Maya is quick to point out, the S in ESG doesn't exist in a vacuum. Many of the inequalities that surfaced during COVID-19 have existed for years, even generations. According to Maya, The S stands just as strongly for systemic as it does for social.
0: I think that one of the big catalysts for the S gaining prominence in the last um, year and a half, and I I will really attribute it to the last year and a half, is, is largely because of the foundation that was laid by the response to climate change, number one, the challenges of the, the COVID pandemic uh, that were experienced, number two. And number three, the social and economic disruption that was experienced after the, the COVID pandemic and um, the notion that some of the problems of the S are systemic in nature. So I think that, you know, prior to the current period, the notion of the ills caused by uh, lack of access to good education, lack of access to healthcare, or the unevenness in, in the quality that is received by different individuals, depending generally on whether where you are on the income stream, the differential access to job opportunities, again, based on where you came from and what education that you had, And so on and so forth weren't really understood as systemic issues but what the disruption from the COVID environment really showed and because people had time to read news and they were confined to their homes largely and just you know watching what was happening in the world the notion of um, inequity in society um, which is really the basis of most of the problems that we uh, experience on the social side became really, really evident. You know, there were a lot of people who believed, you know, for example, in the United States, that the civil rights movement, right in the in the sixties, um, led to a whole host of changes for the African American community. And then there were some uh flashpoints uh with Ferguson um and you know a few incidents years ago where people realized that notwithstanding all of the um all of the programs that were put in place, you know, in the wake of the civil rights movements, things were not still qu- not quite right. But uh then, you know, the the Black Lives Matter movement extending all the way through to uh violence against uh asians and pacific islanders and you know the understanding of the discrimination that the latinx community and that the native american community so i'm I'm speaking now specifically about the u.s context but you can take these contexts and and extrapolate them to other parts of the world were not really understood altogether as systemic issues and i think this is why the s uh, really uh hit a, a a critical mass today because the disruption that we experienced in 21 2020 um 2020 i should say really showed us that um there were disproportionate attributes to access to quality education, access to quality health care, access to job stability and good jobs that are, you know, that are being faced by certain members in society. and, And that these are systemic challenges that need to be addressed systemically for lasting change to happen.
1: To effectively address the S, we must recognize the underlying systemic realities and realize that social issues do not exist in a container. In fact, We can learn a lot about addressing social challenges from the way companies have formulated their responses to other issues, like the environment.
0: The climate change movement set this up because when you look at how to combat climate change, you have to approach it from a systemic level. So I think that actually all of the discussions around the problems on the E side and with climate and how you had to approach change from a systemic level really helped us on the S side to understand that many of the problems are systemic in nature and that the responses need to be systemic in nature. And and again, the the COVID environment and the economic challenges that we experienced in the wake of that um, really brought those to light.
1: Maya is a veteran of multiple boards of directors for organizations that include Kiva, SEO, and of course, Benevity. Over the course of her career, she's seen boardrooms change dramatically. And as a woman of color, she's been part of that change herself. But she's also borne witness to the changing conversations about corporate purpose and social responsibility, conversations being led by investors, consumers, and employees. The value of purpose in the eyes of these stakeholders is influencing companies to turn commitments into action. Maya says that corporate purpose and ESG are no longer boxes to check off and no longer purely about the PR benefits either. They are critical strategies that touch every part of the way a business operates and is expected to show up. And this realization and conversation is finally happening in the boardroom.
0: What's interesting about being part of the governance layer today is the importance of ESG, for one, as part of the board conversation. So, um, when I was a student at Harvard Business School, you know, 25 years ago, we were taught—and I'm going to Im- oversimplify a little bit—but we were taught that the um, real uh, purpose of, of of the company and of the board uh and of the management was to generate um the appropriate slash high um, financial return for our shareholders and what's been interesting about the conversation in both academia you know with the with business schools but also among corporates and in the boardroom, among regulators, you know, now amongst um, employees of corporations, et cetera, is the multifaceted responsibility of the corporation, not just to generate high financial return, but also to think about responsibility to a whole other group of stakeholders, consumers and customers, employees, Um, suppliers and um, partners in the value chain, regulators, responsibility towards planet. And what is very interesting amongst many sort of board conversations is the notion of the responsibility of a company and the management team and the employees to be good actors in society for the benefit of people and planet. So it is not the generation of financial return at all cost, but in fact, the conversation that companies that care about um, their stakeholders and care about the S, the social, um, that companies that care about Planet and their responsibilities towards Planet in terms of Better recycling programs, being aware of their value chain, um, so all of the E factors, the environmental factors, and then obviously the governance factor around that—that that we are being good stewards um, at the at the board layer—is very different today. And what's interesting is, you know, for example. Um, when I started to serve on boards, originally you would always find yourself at some point creating an audit committee and a compensation committee of the board. Now, what I see uh, in many instances is the creation of an ESG committee at the board that is actually responsible together with management for overseeing corporate social responsibility and other factors and other ESG factors. So, this is absolutely Uh, one of the new developments, and I think it is a development that's here to stay with all of the challenges that we've faced in planet um, and among people, and we understand that corporates actually do have a big role to play in making the world a better place.
1: As the conversation about ESG continues to escalate, it's worth noting that the result of the change isn't merely companies feeling the pressure to demonstrate purpose. There's a shift happening in the demographics of employees' all the way to the board level, and it's having a very real impact on the decisions that boards are making when it comes to purpose.
0: What I observed in the marketplace, you know, over the course of the last decade or so, is that generally younger individuals, so call it the millennials and Gen Zers, were very conscious about values and very conscious about um, social and environmental responsibility. And for them, weaving those concepts into their lives was very, very natural. And then at the other extreme, when you would talk to um, not all, but many um, older uh, business individuals who were at the point in their lives that they were thinking about legacy, they started to become concerned about um, social and environmental factors and being good actors in society. And it was the folks in the middle that really weren't thinking about social environmental challenges that were being faced and the role that companies could play. So if you translate that to the boardroom, again, if you have a mix of individuals on the board, you would actually have a little bit more of a of an open conversation about this. In my case, as an investor, you know our boards are often filled with investors who are really more concerned about financial and commercial performance. It it wasn't a natural part of the conversation, but today um, uh, in in twenty uh, twenty one it is becoming better understood. It is becoming not only accepted but expected um, of a lot of board members because of a lot of factors at play. Number one, we have climate issues that are very difficult to ignore. Then um, in the wake of the, the COVID pandemic and um, the economic disruption that was experienced in early 2021, the social justice movement and the racial justice movement, you know, the issues of equity and access have become much more apparent to individuals. And so it's much more in the conversation and the and the zeitgeist now generally. And that has led board members to become more receptive to the notion of ESG and thinking about issues other than, you know, the maximization of profit in board conversations. But this is a sea change today from three, you know, even as, as, as recent as three to five years ago, right, where, where it really wasn't a topic of conversation.
1: As Purpose continues to change conversations in boardrooms and beyond, there's still a lot of questions about how to authentically implement it we can look to the people who are doing it well for inspiration. One such leader is Paul Pullman, a corporate purpose pioneer. In 2008, when he took over as chairman and CEO of Unilever, he introduced the Unilever Sustainable Living Plan, a strategic path that aimed to grow Unilever's business while improving its social impact and environmental footprint. Part of the plan included scrapping short-term targets. As Maya suggests, This reflects the systemic and sustained nature of the solutions that we need.
0: During his tenure at Unilever, Paul Pullman made sustainability and ESG a core tenant for every department, every division. And um, this was not about sort of checking the box, but this was actually about incorporating practices that would lead to uh, better stewardship of resources um you know one of the resources being people and unilever performed extremely well you know financially under his watch so this is not true of every company and every situation but um, if you listen to paul pullman he will absolutely put as you know a central reason for why unilever did so well commercially the fact that it cared about Sustainability and incorporated it deeply into every element of its business.
1: Of course, not every company has had the courage to embrace a long term view. And measuring social impact is a whole other ballgame compared to measuring environmental impact. In fact, one of the main threats to social impact in the corporate context is just how difficult it is to measure the outcomes. When you're measuring environmental initiatives, you can look at greenhouse gas emissions quality or usage of water, and availability of clean water. But on the social side, how do you measure breaking down barriers to education, better health care,
0: better jobs? We are lucky um, within the RISE Fund that the companies that we are able to partner with have as a core KPI or as a core goal or outcome, the creation of environmental or social good. So every single CEO and and management team, you know, starting with Sona yourself and, you know, Kelly Schmidt at Benevity to the leaders of our um, financial inclusion companies, Noah Kerner at Acorns and Colin Walsh at varro um, to tom davidson who runs everfi that helps to incorporate impact as a service to large enterprises to help them fund k through 12 programming you know in lower income communities as an expression of social good all of our ceos are really doing the right thing and building great and successful businesses at the same time. And I think what what is important is to have that impact DNA and that purpose as a core part of the company's mission but then to marry that with really, really deep execution skills because if you can't build a company, if you can't um, please your customers, if you can't build great products, Um, you're not going to make it.
1: (laughs) Companies are expected to have a social purpose, one that can't be easily separated from their environmental targets or their financial ones. But as we navigate this new economy and the changing role of business in society, we must also acknowledge the limits of corporations. Alone, they cannot create the change that we need. To make a truly lasting social impact, we need the crucial work being done by other players, notably nonprofits, volunteers, and community organizers. It's an ecosystem approach that includes organizations and individuals of all kinds.
0: Not all problems can be solved by corporate solutions, right? And that there are problems that exist on the in the planet that very much need philanthropic intervention, that need a functioning nonprofit um, sector, and that you know, to a certain extent, need government aid and intervention. And I worry sometimes, Um, Again, in the echo chamber that that I happen to live in, which is more of a corporate and an investor echo chamber that people think people will think that impact investing or that impact companies are a silver bullet and can solve all problems. And we can't because there are intractable, seemingly intractable problems like problems of homelessness um there are problems and challenges with the indigent if i if i talk think about you know in in the in the s realm um uh the problem of refugees and individuals who have to leave their home countries because of persecution or lack of economic opportunity or because of civil war those those problems are still there those communities are still suffering and many of the problems that they suffer from cannot be addressed by solutions from the corporate world. They have to be met by solutions from the nonprofit world.
1: Thank you for joining us on Speaking of Purpose. I've been your host, Sona Kosla. Special thanks to Maya Korengel, co managing partner of the Rise Fund. Go to therisefund.com to learn more about their approach to impact investing. Today's episode was created by the passionate team here at Benevity. We're a technology and engagement platform passionate about solving the world's problems by connecting businesses and people with the causes and nonprofits they care about. To listen to past episodes and get new episodes as they're released, subscribe or follow Speaking of Purpose wherever you get your podcasts. If you like today's episode, consider sharing it. You can also learn more about us at Benevity.com. Thanks for listening.